127 years later. I roll out of the bed, leaving Cupid's warmth behind me. My body aches all over. It was one hard fuck after another last night. Our way of dealing with the pain of being what we are. Bringers of love, yet eternally unloved ourselves. What Cupid and I have isn't love. It's therapy. We fuck to forget, that's all. To feel the warmth of another being and imagine what it would be like to actually love that person. I'm never going to love Cupid, though. He's too hard around the edges, too different from me. He's good in bed, I give him that. But he's got the emotional intelligence of a toad. Of an emotionally challenged toad. For someone whose job it is to bring love. He's no clue of what love actually is. Technically, he's a very talented archer with arrows that create attraction between the people they hit. The problem is that he's terrible at choosing which people should be together, and rather than getting better at it, he's getting worse. No wonder the divorce rate increased during the first few decades I worked for him. I yawn and stumble into the office. It's become mostly mine since Cupid lets me do all the admin. He's quite the slave master. I sit down on the chair that's too big for me and wish for a cup of tea. It appears on the desk a moment later. I may not be a god, but I've learned a few tricks over the years. In front of me is a mountain of scrolls, each of them carrying the names and locations of potential targets. I've never seen this desk empty. Whenever we seem to get close to working through the stack of scrolls, more appear. I don't know who even writes them. Cupid once said that it was his subconscious. Well, excuse me while I shudder at the thought of his subconscious having anything to do with my workload. There are no days off in this job, no holidays. The day I asked for a weekend off, he stared at me, then laughed for several minutes, then fucked me senseless on the office floor, as if to make up for it. He's a strange person. God. I take the top scroll and study it. Target 1 Name Robin Hoffman Location The Kingdom of Bavaria, formerly Germany Age 32 Species Wolf Shifter A Werewolf Interesting, I've not had one of those in a while. Shifters have become more common. They are simply better at surviving in the post-apocalyptic world, but most recently it's been mostly bears, a few mountain lions, and other big cats. That said, I've heard that wolf shifters are still rife in what used to be the Federal Republic of Germany, before what the humans call the drowning. It's a while now since the face of the earth changed, countries collapsed and the sea swallowed vast stretches of land. Mountains became islands, small towns became capital cities and borders were redrawn all over the place. The world I grew up in no longer exists. Not that I can remember living in it. Cupid took my memories when he killed me, but I don't think I miss them. I've watched the world for over a century now, and I'm glad I'm not a part of it. Seeing all the destruction, the violence, the wars, it's not exactly inviting. Target 2 Name, Felix Lange Location, the Kingdom of Bavaria Age, 29 Species, Wolf Shifter I take a sigh of relief when I see that both of them are the same species. It can get complicated when they aren't, especially when pairing a predator with a prey animal. I'm about to pocket the scroll when a third entry appears. Oh no. I hate love triangles. Target 3 Name Raphael Mora Location, the Kingdom of Bavaria 
age 33. Species, stag shifter. I growl in frustration. Seriously, two wolves and a deer, that's never going to work. No matter how strong my arrows are, the wolves are going to have him for breakfast. Maybe that's the point of it. Getting the wolves together, then presenting them a honeymoon meal. I don't bat an eyelid at all three being men. Maybe I would have when I was first made a messenger, but times have changed. I couldn't care less about gender, although I know that humans have begun to become more conservative again. In a world that lost two billion people during the drowning, it's important to have offspring. And with same-sex couples, that's a little difficult. I fold up the scroll before even more names appear. I can't handle more than three. Shooting Cupid's arrows is hard work and usually... I'm exhausted after two. I'm not made to stay on Earth anymore, and my strength wanes quickly when I'm down there. The weapons room is adjacent to the office. I choose my favorite bow and put the three strongest arrows I can find into my quiver. Now for the annoying part, waking Cupid to have him spell the arrows. He's still in bed, snoring. I poke his shoulder. Wake up, we've got work to do. He groans in response but doesn't move. I poke him harder. Cupid, unless you want to do this myself, you need to spell my arrows. He's never allowed me to do it myself. I'm sure I could do it, but I'm not suicidal enough to go against his expressed commands. He may sleep with me, but I'm not sure how attached he is to me. He tells me daily how terrible an apprentice I am and how he could easily find someone better. It may all be empty threats, but I don't really want to find out if he means it. He still gives me pain sometimes. When I've messed up, Cupid believes in corporal punishment. No matter how often I tell him that it's old-fashioned and cruel, do it yourself. He mutters and turns to his side away from me. I can't believe my luck. He actually said it. I wish I'd recorded his words, but if he doesn't believe me, he can always look at my memories. I can spell my own arrows. I'm allowed to. Hip hip hooray. Suddenly, I'm feeling really positive about this mission. Before heading to Earth, I put on some clothes. In the beginning I sometimes forgot that being so used to walking around naked in Cupid's home. He doesn't believe in clothes. He doesn't see the point of them. There's no cold or rain in his little kingdom, so they aren't needed for protection. While I don't agree with his view that clothes are only to shield your body from the elements, I've given up on arguing with him. I dress in my favorite forest green tunic and some tight black leather trousers. Paired with maroon boots and a wide black belt around my waist, I think I look quite good although without a mirror it's hard to tell. Not that my targets are going to see me. I can make myself visible, of course, but that will bring more trouble than good. It distracts my targets from what they are supposed to do, falling in love. I might go shopping after this mission though, spending some of the money I persuaded Cupid to pay me. It only took me a century for him to agree to giving me a tiny stipend. I swing the quiver around my shoulder and take the heartwood bow. It's my favorite, the one most attuned to me. All the bows have personalities, strengths and weaknesses and after a lot of trial and error, I chose this one as mine. Cupid doesn't care. He chooses whatever one takes his fancy. He doesn't believe in them having different temperaments, but I'm convinced they do. I can hear them whisper to me, telling me secrets, showing me how to shoot my arrows in even better ways. Today, I need three arrows. 
Three shots. I'll have to take a break after that. Maybe no shopping trip after all. I take one last look at my scroll and put my right thumb on the location. It only says the region on it, but by touching it, I can hone in on the exact place my targets are currently at. They will have moved since the scroll was first written. So this is the best way of doing it. Closing my eyes and gripping my bow a little tighter, I step into the void, traveling down to earth at lightning speed.